Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Real with Sandra and Friends, a workplace consortium podcast brought to you by Relogix. I'm excited to be sharing conversational musings about current events and how we envision the ever-changing world of work. I'm Sandra Panera, Director of Workplace Insights at Relogix. With 25 years of hands-on experience, I help value engineer global workplace portfolios and employee experiences by aligning workplace analytics with corporate real estate needs. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? Please drop me a line at podcast at relogics.com. This week, I'd like to introduce my special guest and friend, Pamela Ross. Pamela is a culture catalyst at Blue Rebel Works located right here in Toronto. Pam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Thank you so much for having me. I'm Pam Ross, and I'm the founder of Blue Rebel Works. I believe that we spend far too much time at work for it to suck. So our purpose is to improve people's lives by making work awesome. Fantastic. As you were talking about the whole sort of uh, ideation around, you know, goals and managers and, and sort of who sets the goals and the example that you gave before of how, you know, your employee basically comes in and says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And she's basically running and you're, you're invited to attend. It kind of makes you wonder sometimes, you know, if managers right now are struggling with the whole idea of setting the goals and then managing the goals. To me, it doesn't, it wouldn't be any different as if you're setting the goals, you're setting the goal. I know again from personal experience and other people that I've spoken to that people will sometimes go like through a good portion of the year without goals. And yeah. so it kind of gets overlooked and it's like, yeah, whatever. And then you're scrambling at the last minute because there's a process that requires you to fill out a, a review form and you have to have goals. And then the last month of the year, they're like, oh, yeah, what were my goals this year? <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. so it's kind of that thing of is it just because, you know, management has been much more complacent that they haven't really had to do it because there really wasn't a requirement and you just people just did what they did. And then it was, OK, we'll figure it out at the end versus now. There is a requirement because you need clarity. You, you you can't just sort of run with it. And especially as a manager, you're now being held accountable for the outcomes and for the outputs. But if there's no goal, whose responsibility is that? I kind of don't think really that technically there is a difference of whether you're in the office or you're working virtually from that perspective. But it kind of feels like there is because the virtual work experience is very different than the in-person work experience. Mm-hmm. Well, so I agree that there actually isn't a difference, but there is the perception of a difference, because if I see you coming to work every day, I assume that you're getting your work done, even if I'm not clear about what the work is. So if I don't see you, I don't know if you're getting the work done. I still don't know what the work is. So it I mean, it's not deliberate complacency or anything. It is just kind of how we've learned to manage work. We, you know, it's like an eight hour shift or, you know, and and this is where like I love to challenge all of our ways of thinking, you know, mm-hmm. what if we never had offices? What if we never said 40 hours a week was the right amount of work to put in? Like, why did we assume, why did we go along with that? Why have we continued to go along with that? And I was reading an article the other day they were looking at in the 1930s, I think it was, they were looking at technology advances 
And they said by 1950, I think, or maybe it was 50 years later, people would be working something like 20 hours a week instead of 40 because of the technological advances. Well, we didn't do that. We started working 40 hours a week and did more. And now we're continuing to like reduce number of headcount to increase the, you know, objectives or like increase the amount of work people have to do. And people are putting in more and more hours. Like we, I, I really want to challenge corporations to think differently about like, why do you exist? And is it really all about profit? And how could you actually make a difference in people's lives and the, the lives of the people that work with you and add value to their lives instead of being something they have to do for a third of their lives all the time. And, and it's like sucking their soul. <laughs> I just, I, I really think there's opportunity to, to rethink that because everyone I talk to is overwhelmed. You mentioned burnout earlier. Um, and we've heard, you've heard about like the great um, resignation, right? Yes. To me, it's like great opportunity. Yes, people are leaving, but what if we rethought work totally and created workforces or work, like, I don't want to say workplaces because it's not, I don't think it has to be a place, but created organizations where people could be connected and work there um, without feeling like they had to quit their job to have a great life. Like what if you added to people's lives instead of like just took away eight hours or 10 hours a day from their life? That's a really good point. That's really what I think the pandemic has surfaced for a lot of people is just having the time to reflect on the priorities and how much time they've actually invested in work. The, the unfortunate thing, fortunate for some people is that we work for different reasons and some people work for the money more than, than anything else. Like some people have the privilege of being able to do what they love and kind of, you know, follow their passion. But I would probably venture to guess the majority of people are working to pay the bills. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it almost feels like sometimes that, you know, organizations kind of hold people hostage to the fact that it's like, if you don't like how we do things, then leave, go find a job mm -hmm. somewhere else. And the reality is, is that if companies want to win, they need to be able to to address the fact that it's not just their employees. It's the entire world that's gone through this period together and have come to the realization that there's more to life than just work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's nobody's saying that we don't want to work. Right. No. It's just give us the choice. And so it, it's really hard. It's really difficult for anyone to understand what what is it that just makes it so complicated? And like you, you, you know, you've probably heard just as much as I have around, you know, all the reasons why you need to be in the office, right? There's yeah. that sort of, you know, back and forth between we why need you need connect. to be in the we office. Need to trust. We can't really collaborate without being like, it's all honestly BS if you actually take a few steps back and look yeah. and, and reimagine. Yeah. And, and to your point too, it's not because you're saying that you don't, that everything should be online. Yes, it's possible to do much of the stuff that you do in person online. It doesn't devalue what you do. I mean, I've had numerous conversations and been introduced to so many people in the past year and a bit online that I've never met and probably will never meet just because of where they're located. Yeah. But you know, you have these types of conversations with those people. It's no, 
less real than actually meeting the person in yeah. real life, like for a coffee or for a lunch. Yeah, it would be nice to be able to do that. There's the social element of that, that mm-hmm. maybe in the in the virtual world, it's more purposeful, right? There's more yeah. of an objective of why you're connecting. And, and sometimes that objective isn't necessarily business. It could even be just to learn from each other, which I've experienced that tremendously in the past year, right? Is, is that you're just yeah. curious to know how other people are feeling, how other people are thinking and, you know, what are their opinions about the direction in which work is going to go, whether you're an employee, an employer, you know, a landlord, whoever it is that you might be, just getting those different different perspectives. But it doesn't take away from the realness of the relationship and the conversation, which seems to be what's underpinning the return back, is, is that you have to go yeah. back to the office in order to maintain that realness and that value of that relationship, which yeah. I'm not buying it. <laughs> no, well, and actually, like I mentioned, I just someone started on my team on Monday. She's in British Columbia and will spend probably part of her time in France because that's where she um, her family is. So I will likely never meet her in real life, but I don't feel like that should hold me back from getting a great person for that position. And the other thing that was coming to mind for me is you said people won't choose not to work. No, like absolutely. People, people want meaning and they want to feel like they're making a contribution and absolutely people are not going to choose not to work. And there's no one size fits all. Like I think of like today I can personalize the jeans that I'm going to buy. Like I can design my own jeans and buy them, but I can't design my way of working. Right. So like, rather than thinking there's a one size fits all for your extroverts, your introverts, your like the, all the neurodiversity, even able-bodied versus people with disabilities. Like there's so many opportunities if we allow people to figure out how they can get their work done. Um, I saw something and I know you shouldn't get your news from memes, but it was a meme <laughs> about uh, like, you know, people who are disabled saying, hey, can't we like work from home instead? Because like that would really help me to be able to do things. And able-bodied leaders saying, no, this has to be done in the office. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and able-bodied leaders say, oh, we can all work from home now. And that's what it took. But people who had have disabilities have been asking for these kinds of things for years. So mm-hmm. There's so many opportunities to just rethink how we've been thinking about work. It's true. And it's it's funny because there's a, another um, lady that I've been talking to as well. And she made a comment in one of the early podcasts about how, you know, sometimes the resistance or she thinks that the resistance to um, flexible work is just because there's too many things to think about. And there's just so many stones that have been a lot of stones that have been turned over that it's kind of like, okay, which issue do you address first? And so it's easier to just bring everybody back and just kind of put everything back the way that it was. But it's, it's when you think of it from the standpoint of what companies do, like even just the example that you gave around, you know, disabled people where, you know, companies will invest money to fix the physical place to enable people to go to work in those physical places yeah. And like how much more access can you give to people by just allowing them to work in the comfort of their home, especially yeah. if that's something that they desire. Right. 
I mean, even like you think about some people living in Toronto, I have clients like there's some people who live in small condos in Toronto that I can't wait to be able to come to the office so that they can get out of their little space. Right. So like some people are going to love getting going to the office a certain number of days a week. Your extroverts might want to get together, like, you know, beers after work, all those things. But introverts, like, some people hated that all the time and were forced into these, like, unnatural social situations that they hated. And so this is an opportunity to allow people to work in the way that fits them best. Yeah, and it is, like, the uncertainty, I think, what you said really, really resonates with me. When I'm talking to executives, they're like, well, like nobody's got this figured out. Like there's no one to get the playbook from. And actually there are, there are like, you know, look at GitLab literally has a playbook for remote work. But like there, so there are some companies that have been doing this for a while that there's tons of information out there. I think there's actually too much information out there and it's a little overwhelming. Um, I'm trying to create something that would be like a super simple guidebook, but they are uncertain and leaders like to be able to make good decisions with with certainty. And it's very scary for them not to have the answers. So I think that's a huge part of this. Like that's where the ego comes into play. Right. Well, like I can make this decision, which would be to do what I know will work or I have the perception that it works to bring people back, right? So what if you came at this with the idea of kind of an agile mindset of like, let's test this way of doing it and let's measure and see what's working and do that for a few months and then and then get together and go, okay, well, you know, maybe some things didn't work. What can we tweak? Like you can be tweaking this. It's going to look different for every organization, for every team. So let's choose your own adventure and and kind of figure it out as you go along. I agree. I think that's you kind of have hit the nail on the head is is that there's there's such uncertainty and there's no place to turn really and everybody's kind of on their own figuring it out even though we're all going in the same direction. The uniqueness mm-hmm. which I've said over and over again every company is unique because of the yeah. makeup of the people in that organization. So the GitHubs and the Googles and the Apples and whoever it is that's out there, the way that they're approaching work or how they have traditionally maybe approached work is to look at what works for their people and what works for, for that one company won't necessarily, you can't take that and apply it to another company and say, well, it's working for them. So it's going to work for us. It doesn't work that way, right? You really need to know how your people are behaving, you know, what's working, what's not working. And as you say, tweak it and just iterate over and over again until eventually you're going to realize that, okay, we've got something that's working and everybody, you know, is happy. And then it's also enabling you to attract a certain type of, of worker that wants to work within that kind of, uh, of environment. Right. So yeah, definitely, definitely interesting topic as it relates to the said, just the view of management and how you sort of approach the, future of work and being able to make a decision when you don't have anything to help guide you and just kind of Mm -hmm. following your gut. But I think this is really where leadership and management have an opportunity to shine. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, this is true leadership and like 
involving your people, like we're working with our clients, some of our clients right now to teach their leaders a process to engage their team in like, what's the work we need to complete in the next three months? How do, how do we best get that done? How often do we have to meet in person, meet online, collaborate in person, collaborate asynchronously for what purpose? Like, and like make a roadmap for your team for the next three months and then iterate, like check in. Is it working? What's the next three months look like? And like keep on iterating, but that's, it takes a, a leader to be able like to engage people to be really purposeful about like where you're going what you need to complete and then to engage and involve your people in the solution and then let them get the work done once you've made the agreements together i think there's so much potential and opportunity and i just really hope that we don't get stuck in like the the small tactical decisions instead of looking at this more broadly because if we just do those small things like how are we redesigning the office as an example you're not going to tackle the underpinning issues and you're probably going to end up bringing people back to the office well thank you for your time today i really really enjoyed this conversation and uh, there's always more to uncover and learn. <laughs> so again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much.